Welcome to the Nightbird Radio Podcast. I'm Timothy Saylor, and I'm going to be your host this evening as we sound out the subconscious, navigate the nocturnal, and explore the farthest reaches of our experience. Coming at you from the back of an 86 Dodge Ram van on the rolling foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains in the Great Forest, deep in the heart of the Kali Yuga. This is radio for the hauntological turn. And welcome back, Nightbirds. It's great to have you back. I've got an excellent episode for you. I was joined by Mel Priestley, writer and astrology consultant. We talked not only about astrology, but also being initiated and building a relationship with the planets. Food is magic. Food is medicine. The power of intention and the upcoming Mars-Uranus-North Node conjunction. On top of all that, Mel even shared with me some spirit encounter stories. I had a great time talking to Mel, and I hope you have a great time listening. So without further ado, let's fly. Mel Priestley, welcome to Nightbird Radio. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great, thank you. Well, it's great to have you on. Uh, Real quick, did you want to... Tell people where they could find you. Sure, yeah. Best place to find me is my website, melpriestley.ca. And you offer readings? I do, yeah. So you'll find a lot of posts on astrology. And if you dig down deep enough, you will find some wine and food and some random other things in there. But mostly uh, just a lot of astrology these days. And I do also um, offer astrology consultations as well. So you'll, you'll be able to book through there. Very cool. So um, how are you staying sane in an insane age? (laughs) Yeah. How am I? Well, I don't know. Maybe I'm not. That's that's (laughs) a good question. Becoming an astrologer was part of my staying sane in an insane age, um, actually. So, and I mean that like a, a professional astrologer, I guess. So in the sense of I'm, you know, doing readings for people. Um, yeah. So that was something I, it just, it, ha- it had to happen. And it was early 2020, right before the pandemic hit, actually. And I just kind of like, it, it sounds so cheesy. I wish I had like a better sort of initial incident, but I didn't. It just, one day I woke up and I thought, I, I think I need to be an astrologer now. Um, and I had always been interested in it. It was something I had been into for a long time, just like a lot of people I think who are into astrology or, or even into anything esoteric like astrology is always kind of there and it's arguably one of the most if not the most public forms of I guess I'll say like esoterica out there um, you know there's always horoscopes in the paper it's often people gateway to sort of thinking about things in a maybe a little bit more of a magical way so yeah um, but then I, I just had this this realization, I guess, just, and it was nothing big, nothing major, no fireworks, no massive initiatory experience. I was just like, I think this is my life now. And so I did that. Nice. What were you afraid of as a child? (laughs) Um, like lots of things like kids are afraid of for sure, you know, but there was one incident that stands out for me. Um, there was like, it was a summer when I was probably about 13 and I, I think I was, I was afraid of my own mortality. I was facing, you know, just, just simple things, you know, just facing my own mortality. Um, I got 
super freaked out to go to sleep because I started thinking if I go to sleep, well, you don't know you're sleeping until you're, you wake up when you're sleeping, you're just sleeping. And, and if you never wake up from your sleep, well, then how do you know you're dead? <laughs> um, it, it sounds like, it sounds like a really stoned thought actually, although I was definitely not stoned at the time. I was, I was too, <laughs> I was too young for that. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I just got so wrapped up in this, this idea of not wanting to fall asleep because because of all of that. And so I would just stay up until I literally passed out because I was exhausted. And so it was in the summer. So I didn't have to go to school. So it kind of worked out. I didn't have to get up and get up, you know, in two hours or whatever. So I could just do the teenager thing and sleep until like 2, 3 p.m. But um, yeah, that really says out. And then I guess it just faded. I don't know. Like I, I just kind of came to terms with my mortality or I guess I was just like, well, there is nothing I can do about this now. But yeah, that sounds out is like for whatever reason, I got super neurotic and paranoid about falling asleep that summer. That's interesting. Because I used to want to go to sleep so bad but I couldn't sleep because I couldn't stop thinking about other things, you know, just like everything. I guess I was on a lot of medication too. <laughs> mm, yeah, that didn't really probably, help. <laughs> no, that's not going to help. Yeah. So you're and so you said that kind of just faded over time. There wasn't a a particular experience that happened that that kind of brought that about. It was just sort of gradual. Yeah. Again, I I feel like when I look back on my life and I think back to like the major points, there's often not an. <laughs> not an incident I can point to to say like, that was, that was the thing. It's just yeah. all of a sudden it's like a switch was turned and I, I just was that way now. So um, yeah, maybe I'm just not remembering. Maybe I like have some weird buried things could be, could be. but yeah. Um, what about experiences that sort of exposed you to, a world beyond the scene or, or a paranormal or whatever you'd want to call it. Was mm-hmm. that always something that was a part of your life or? Pretty much. So, I mean, I was a big reader um, from the time I was extremely young. And so I started reading things from a young age that I shouldn't, um, that my parents had, they didn't censor me, which was great. So I read, I just free access to the library. I was reading Stephen King books when I was like 12, which is like not, that was, that kind of coincided maybe with that summer. Actually, I was probably reading too much Stephen King or something. (laughs) It's like fucked up shit that I was like, Ooh, maybe I didn't want to fall asleep because of that. But um, yeah, so I, so I think when you're like a big reader, you're always sort of in a fantasy world of sorts. And, and fantasy was also one of the genres, sci-fi and fantasy that I was super into. So yeah, it was more of um, so I was I was always interested in reading about magic, so the you know the fairy tales and the um, and the fantasy type novels, and then that co- that was around like the nineties. Um, it was when I was you know a teenager, and so you know the Wicca movement was like going strong there, and so then I it was just kind of a natural jump to oh well, is magic actually is there real magic? Like what does that look like, right? And so then started reading all of those books and getting interested in that. And uh, yeah, so I, I was always interested in, and I always knew I was like, Oh, magic is real. It's here. It is in these books, you know? And it was like the, you know, nineties wicked girl version of that, but Hey, we all got to start somewhere. Right. And I mean that there's always like a section on astrology in most of those books, which um, I had always loved the night sky and planets and things as a, as a nerdy little kid. And then when I realized and found horoscopes and, and notes about astrology, and I was like, well, wait, they actually mean something. 
they're actually magical, you know, and then that was, that was amazing. And, you know, it was just kind of off to the races from there. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause you had mentioned that it's a lot of the times people's gateway into things. So for me, I feel like astrology was like that first domino, like spirits for some reason, like in magic weren't difficult for me to grasp. I think those were things that for like a long time I wanted to be real, yeah, mm-hmm. but I was denying their reality because of bad experiences with the church and things like that. Yeah. But astrology was one of those things where I was like, yeah, that's bullshit. Like that's total bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh, along with like crystals and <laughs> um what else, you know, w- what have you. Yeah, yeah. But ast- and and so astrology once I I think it was when I looked both at my chart and then like an ex's chart and was like, "Oh, shit." Mm-hmm. This is like to the T. And you know, because you get you get the horoscopes in the newspapers that are just like so pretty, generic, so generic, so, right? Yeah, yeah. Sun sign astrology. I like saying it doesn't do anyone any favors, but it does. Like it's again, it's often that gateway for people. Um, but the quality of that form of astrology is just that's it's. See, I'm I'm going to be insulting so many people by saying this, and I don't mean it that way because I think that the sun sign astrologers out there have done great for for um, the astrology community and kind of kept it going. But at the same time, they did reduce it to like this really sort of, um, easily ridiculed form of astrology. And one that's really not, that's like, it's like 5% of the whole story of astrology. So, um, yeah. So I have mixed feelings about it. I don't want to, I don't want to trash talk it because. No, we're not going to trash talk it. It just was, it would just made it easy for me to dismiss, you know, like totally. Yeah. But then even then, you know, well, they're all different. And I don't know why that was a big deal to me. It's like, okay, show me something that someone can't just look at and say, oh, yeah, that's me. Because that's, and then, I mean, there's plenty of that in astrology if you actually look. I just wasn't looking. I also fuck with crystals too. You know what I mean? Like, so like I said, it was like, (laughs) it was like that first domino. And once that fell, it's like um, everything was coming over the wall with it, you know? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. my experience of my Saturn return is like just plainly in my chart, you know, mm-hmm. like it was a bad marriage and I have Saturn in the seventh house. Same. Oh yeah. Right. So, and I got married like right before that, you know? And so like after all this happened and I was kind of in the wreckage of that, looking at that was like, Oh shit. This mm-hmm. just told me if I would have like looked at this before, you know, you can't woulda, coulda, shoulda, but it would have, I would have known what was going to happen, you know? Well, right. But would you still have denied yourself that? I mean, I don't, and that I probably, there's, no, I would have done that. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's the age old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I'm like, well, fuck the stars. What is it? What do they know? Right. What does Saturn know? I'm not going to let that guy <laughs> tell me what to do. Yeah. I have often been caught saying, yeah, fuck the planets. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to free myself from astral determinacy. Right. And oh man, there's so much of that. Like I, the more I, I feel like I'm lean, I'm, I feel like I'm becoming more stoic as time goes on. And I'm like, wow, in another 20 years, am I just going to be full on? Like we, our fates are not our own and our destiny is control. I don't think so because then it, that kind of goes against 
my fundamental beliefs in in magic and things like that, right? Where, look, what's the point of doing magic if you can't change anything? Like if everything's predetermined and fated to happen and, and, you know, if we could deduce that from looking at a chart or whatever it might be, then what's the point, right? So no, I still think there is still human agency to, to wiggle around. But there's no getting around like a Saturn return, for example, right? There's, there's going to be lessons. And so Saturn's got lessons for you, right? And so in whatever form that takes, um, and you can certainly do magic to, I guess you could do magic to save a marriage. Although I think I, my first question would be like, is it worth saving? <laughs> is it actually, you know, right? Right, right. And like, yeah, like how much thought went into it? And in my case, I mean, not a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. Hey. <laughs> like, like, hey, let's do it. Right. And mm-hmm. uh it's funny. Um so that was a question I was gonna ask was what came first, astrology or magic? So it's cool hearing that you only got into that recently. So when you first started out when you said you were doing the Wicca the Wicca kind of stuff, mm-hmm. were you doing that in groups? Did you have magic friends? No, man, I wanted them so bad, but I was pretty shy and nerdy and I didn't, it was a side of myself that I kept quite hidden, even from like my best friend at the time. Um, So I, I totally, you know, the craft came out and I was like, ah, I want to do that. Even though obviously that, you know, doesn't go well for anyone. I guess the main chick it goes okay for, but anyway, but no, I was, I I was too embarrassed by it. Um, So I I just kept it hidden and just did little, little, you know, teenage wicked girl stuff. Um, And, and not even a ton of it. Right. But, um, but, you know, I was still kind of, kind of dabbling and, and very earth-based. Like I was always uh, super fascinated by herbs and plants and things like that. So I tended to go at it from like more of an herbalism perspective, which is more like legit, right? So I would, you know, do some herb experiments and things like that. And, you know, I would make herbals like dry flowers and press them and then write all of the like magical meanings and uses and things for them and create my own little like, you know, books like that, which was, yeah. Compendium sort of Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, But no, I never, I never shared that with anyone. I actually had... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like recently, like embarrassingly recent in 20, it was like 2016. So how long ago is that? But my gosh, like, you know, a few years, but not that long ago. It feels like longer um, ago it, than it was. Yes. Time it feels like a thousand years ago. Yeah. Tell me about it. Time has shifted. And when you start doing astrology, time gets really weird. Um, like when I start looking at charts, I think I remember who some astrologer I was listening to was talking about, like um, looking back in time and then having like, you know, through astrology charts. And then, you know, if you're, you're examining like the Mercury retrograde periods for the year upcoming or behind or whatever, and then you have like Mercury retrograde stuff like happen while you're doing that. And then as soon as you stop doing that work, it stops. Um, that's a thing <laughs> that totally happens. Um, but anyway, yeah, no, in 2016, I, I went and I got my group Wicca experience out of the way with like my, I found the local group and I was like a full on adult by then. Right. And I was like, okay, I can do this now. I'm not a nerdy teenager. I'm going to go and do it. And it was exactly as bad as you'd think it was. Um, maybe it was better in the nineties. <laughs> I would have been a teenager. So it would have been better and worse in some ways. Um, so that didn't last long, but I feel like I got it out of my system, but unfortunately that did make me really sad for, um, the state of, uh, doing, doing magical workings in groups. And I know it's not always like that at all. I mean, that was actually the year I found 
prune soup and then also found shortly after found uh, the Quarea through rune soup actually. So I started doing Josephine McCarthy's Quarea courses and getting like a, an actual sort of more proper foundation in magical practice and, and things like that. So yeah, that's, that's, that's actually really where things kind of took off. So it was, it was kind of funny that I, I had this like little diversion into Wicca and pre in previous to that, I mean, from like teenagehood to then, I would like dabble in things here and there, but nothing ever stuck until that point. And then it was, then it was really like, okay. And that's when I did start studying astrology um, more seriously. Although when I started studying astrology, it's funny. I don't know if you've experienced this. You know, when you like, you stare at a chart and you're staring at it really intently. Do you ever get like a, almost like a sick spinning dizzy type feeling? Like you feel gross. Like you're staring into the void. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that every time I try to look at astrology because I feel dumb as shit when I do it. <laughs> well, like, I, I get that. I used to feel that all the time. It was like there was knowledge there, so much knowledge, all of the knowledge. So but, much. Right? And I and if I could just decode it, you know, but it wasn't until early 2020, um, like I said, when I had that moment of being like, I think I become an astrologer now. Up until that point, if I looked at a chart for more than like a couple minutes, I would get that sort of dizzy gross feeling. And so I just have to back off and I would, I wasn't able to like really get into it. And then from that, that point on, when I started, I realized I was able to like really look into charts and really go deep and started studying very intently. And I was, I'd never, I've never had that feeling since. So um, yeah. So it was like really like a switch. And I mean, it coincided actually very strongly with that major, um, the Saturn Pluto conjunction that happened in January, 2020, uh, that happened with like less than a degree from my midheaven. So, you know, gonna, gonna chalk that one up. There is, is definitely a major pivotal moment in my life for sure. Um, it, so, and I saw it there, like it was, and I didn't notice it at the time. I think I looked it up and I was like, Ooh, that's big. It's happening right on my midheaven. I wonder what could happen. And then, you know, like the end of that year, I was like, enrolled in astrology courses and I was like full on like doing it. So, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. That uh, that's interesting hearing about that experience because it's like you're looking at the chart and when you're looking at the chart, you are gazing into like a moment and space and time. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So the, the ability for you to, to kind of come into deeper relation to that and understand it a little bit more kind Mm -hmm. of made that vertigo go away is what you're saying, right? Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know if it was maybe that I needed to sort of be initiated or accepted by the planets. Maybe like I, I kind of felt like they were like, okay, you can be, you can be in the club now. Like you can, you can do this. But prior to that, they were kind of like, nah, get out of here, kid. You're, you're not ready or whatever. Right. So that's cool. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's, that's a good segue to jump into, um, talking about building those relationships with the planets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some of that, um, astrological spirit work that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, if I think back, you know, the best, what's the best way to build relationships with planets? Look up, look, look at them, <laughs> you know, look up at the sky. Um, and the easiest way to do that is, um, yeah, just becoming more aware, I think, of 
of sky country, of the sky above you, uh, and acknowledging that as as what it is, is this, you know, well, like literally living cosmos around us full of all these other amazing beings. Um, and I've, I'd always been doing that as a kid. I just didn't, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't quite, uh, it hadn't become fully haunted because when you read astronomy texts, oh my God, they make this amazing thing so fucking boring. And so I'm just boring. like, so boring, right? It's all this, like this mass. Is gas. It's yeah. <laughs> Look at this ball of gas, and ball, and I'm just like, geez, like, so like, motherfuckers are really telling me this thing is an explosion. Like, come on, yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. So it's it's so sad what materialism has done to it, right? Um, but it's whatever you can you can get it back, right? And all you have to do is just kind of like put all that aside and look up at the night sky, look at the moon, you know, when it's full or when it's even not full, and just really look at that, and and yeah, and vibe it out. But I mean, so so from that moment, you know, kind of just over a few years ago when I started going deep into this, I uh, I mean, I was reading like crazy about it, but I was also just constantly, you know, tracking the moon's movements like every day, like I would go out and see if I could see it and you can't always see it, but um, yeah. And just try to become aware with becoming aware of it on, I guess that physical level, right. Of like, what do I see when I look up at the night sky from this vantage point in a city? So, you know, not a lot, but, um, but still much more than you think. Um, And then also to, to just um, figuring out ways to engage with the, planets on it on a I guess a more spiritual level um so I mean that fed into developing a daily um devotional practice which I still maintain and it's it's like a reflex now like um and I keep it very simple you know like I I I ritualize it because I like I like the ritual like it's 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 good it's a good way to start the day um ideally you do these things at sunrise so that it's in you know like the the um hour of the daily planet and I just you know recite some prayers in the Orphic hymn to, to whatever planetary deity is, you know, of the day. Right. So today is, is Thursday. So it's Jupiter day. Um, but I don't always do it right at sunrise because I live in Northern Canada and sunrise right now in the summer is like five forty something P or AM. Sorry. I I'm not getting up that early. I'm sorry. I'm just not. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm actually not that much of a stickler for um, not for the daily devotional work for getting it like in the exact hour and stuff for, for if I'm doing like magical work I will um, but I don't do actually a ton of that I, I focus my practice is right now more focused on devotional stuff every day and then um, you know reading charts for people and then just doing some reading and, and constant you know research and things like that so um, yeah I love the rune soup community because there's like those guys are all in with like you know, making talismans and stuff and maybe I'll get there, but I, for, for whatever reason, I do not feel drawn that way in my, in my astro practice yet. So you feel that the devotional practice has helped you, helped you in your learning astrology too, right? Like, Oh yeah. hundred percent. I do. I, I really question. Um, so there's so many astrologers these days, right? Um, like astrology has just blown up over the last, I guess decade, maybe a little longer, maybe a little less. It doesn't matter. So if you go onto social media, like the, you know, the astrologers of Instagram or TikTok or whatever, and it's just inundated and there's been so many new people coming in, which is great in some ways. Um, it makes me nervous in others. We don't have to get into all of the politics of what the hell is going on in the astro community. Um, I'm quite critical of a lot of it because um, for people who claim to well, for people who are operating in this 
space of, um, how do I even describe it? Like you're, you're doing magic when you are interpreting a chart, really. Um, or it is, it is adjacent anyway. It's like this magical practice. But so many of them strike me as like hardcore materialists. Um, and you can see it by all the other shit they post, um, especially over the pandemic. Uh, yeah. The hot takes I've seen coming out of astrologers' mouths. And I'm like, it, it's such cognitive dissonance for me personally. Because I'm like, wow, I guess this is what happens if you like materialize astrology i don't know so that's a whole big rabbit hole we don't have to necessarily get into but for me it was like of course i'm going to do daily devotionals to the planets because i'm working with these gods for lack of a better word and i should be polite for starters and also develop a good working relationship with them so that they'll talk to me through the charts of my clients or through any other chart i happen to be looking at yeah that's interesting about the the downstream effects of materializing astrology because it seems to like, like you predict something and they think that it's like, Oh, well you want that to happen or something. Well, it's like, no, you just predicted mm. it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, and of course we all have our own biases and stuff. And that's very obvious when you read people's predictions, right? Like you can, you can tell someone's politics like quite clearly um, by by what they write about it. And I guess that's in many respects, it's natural. Um, but I, I think that if you're doing any kind of divinatory work, um, being aware of your own um, perspective and blinders as much as you possibly can is like going to make you a better reader, obviously. So what does that look like for you? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, like I have my own opinions sure. about everything out there. Um, I, I do try to be as objective as possible, um, but I, I know I'm not right. Like I, I just, I'm not cause I can't be, no one can be. Um, so I guess what it means is I, I just try to, I, I, I acknowledge how I would read that. Um, and then I, I do flip it as like, okay, well, like what if, what if I didn't have this perspective? Right. Um, and because I'm Canadian, you know, there's lots of, of stuff happening in Canada, like not great stuff, especially over the pandemic and how uh, restrictive our, country's gone and you know how like they're violating our rights left right and yeah center, like straight and, up totalitarianism yeah, yeah. Um, but it's soft polite canadian totalitarianism so <laughs> people are just like going along with it like because they just don't want to deal um so i yeah so I, I, now this this train of thought's getting away from myself so i don't know i guess <laughs> i just try to be aware aware of it as much as possible um and then and also I guess toe the line. Um, I'm not afraid to like say things, but I also don't, I try not to get on like a political grandstand, I guess when I'm posting about like, you know, if I do like my forecast posts for astrology or for, uh, pardon me for Canada coming up. And I was on a panel actually earlier this year with OPA, which is a, an organization, the organization for professional astrologers. And, um, yeah, it was the Canadian chapter, and and I was one of the the panelists talking about like upcoming predictions for Canada, and I think I was definitely probably the darkest in terms of highlighting, you know, like the like the totalitarianism, right, like the censorship and the hardcore, all of that stuff. So, um, but I, I I did try to tone it down a little bit because I was aware that many people in my audience might not be there yet, and if you haven't, um, if you're if you're just starting to realize, wait a second. What our government has done over the last two years is like so completely unacceptable and beyond the pale. Like if you're just kind of coming to that now, um, it's going to be difficult. 
like I've already gone through some serious dark nights of the soul over the last two years. And I, I'm trying to be aware that like so many people haven't yet and I should just try to be there and support them. And so the clients who come and see me, um, I can usually gauge pretty quick where they're at on that path. And a lot of the people who have found me, have they're kind of on that path already, which I think just makes sense. You attract the clients who, I mean, every night I pray to attract the clients that I would serve best. So, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm not in any way the same person I was two years ago. Like, I mean, it kind of always is like that, but this has mm-hmm. been like overdrive. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if anyone can really say they are. I mean, I guess maybe you could. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. Everyone I talked to was like, "Yeah, holy shit, <laughs> about the same." Yeah, and I think it comes with a lot of a lot of work, and it's like just not doing that work doesn't mean <laughs> like you won't have to. Like I. That doesn't make sense, but like that shit piles up. Yes. You know, and you, you see it like if we're going to go with the astrology, you know, take, you'll see, you'll see it in people's charts in various ways, right? Like where your baggage is or where your, you know, where your struggles are. Um, And, and I hope when people come to astrology, you know, seriously, like they're, if they're going to, you know, get into this and, and, you know, want a professional reading or even just, um, reading the blogs and stuff like that. Like you can go as fluffy light astrology meme as you want. And don't get me wrong. I love a good astrology meme, but for me, like this is, I mean, this is a spiritual practice as much as it is something I'm doing is like, a, I guess a, you know, a job, like a, a freelance gig right on the side. Um, but it's, it is, it, this is a spiritual practice. This is the fundamental cornerstone of my, my spirituality right now. Um, and so I have, a lot more respect for it. And so I have, I just always kind of am amused slash bemused when people um, start really shit talking the planets in particular and look like Saturn's easy to shit talk because he's no fun, but I'm always a little bit like, okay, we should stop now because he's going to like, I don't want to piss off Saturn. (laughs) Like like we could, we could shit talk respectfully. Well, I think Um, that speaks to how people, okay. So this is the way I see it. And I'm, this is I'm just lucky to have been probably shown this by people. I doubt I came up with this, but like, okay. So there's some things that might be fate that might be inevitable, Mm -hmm. but how I'm going to deal with those things. That's what is under my control. Right. So I may have these energies that are expressing themselves based on things that are in my chart. Mm -hmm. I can choose to not do anything or to, to express those energies maybe unskillfully mm-hmm. or I can kind of transmute those energies in the most skillful way that I can. And, and, and that's to me where it's a spiritual practice, right? Because it's like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you can look like, I can look at my chart and say like, Oh, I'm fucked in relationships. Sure. But well, I mean, no, it just takes maybe looking at it with a different set of glasses and putting in work to find okay maybe it's going to be difficult to me to have the type of relationship that is shown like as accepted in our society or like in a movie or like that Mm -hmm. fairy tale thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's going to maybe be something that i have to do a little differently or fight a little differently for right so so if 
if I'm viewing it as this limitation or as this curse, then I'm actually cursing myself because what it really is, is like a chance to transmute the energy. What do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, at like, why do people get astrology readings, right? Well, I mean, it's because we're trying to understand ourselves, you know, deeper, and then hopefully in the hopes to um, overcome, you know, the the challenges we get ourselves into, or that we're faced with often of our own making, right? And so once you start to see, it's wonderful for recognizing patterns, right? Like it will be right there in your chart. And, you know, you can look at Look at the placements and the aspects and go, okay, so you tend to do da, 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 and you tend to attract da, 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 da. And so once you're aware of that, that's half the battle. I, I always say this, right? Like knowing is half the battle and the other half is oh, do yeah. something about it. Um, you know, and I'm sure there are some people who, you know, they'll go through this process and they'll get their chart read and then they just keep making the same mistakes, you know, and that's, it. you know, it's frustrating, obviously. Um, but, you know, it's worth trying, I guess, especially if you're unhappy with the way things are going or with the way things have gone. Um, so, I mean, just taking the relationship one. Yeah, you can look at your chart. Like I have a, a Saturn Mars conjunction in Scorpio in the seventh house, which is like garbage for relationships <laughs> on the surface, right? right? Well, I got married early and I'm still married. Like I got married when I was 22 and I'm 38 now. I'm still married. So, you know, you're not doomed to have a shitty, horrible you know, loveless life just because you have like a bad aspect there. Right now, has it always been like perfect? No, obviously not, but no relationship is. Um, so yeah, like it's, it's, you need to learn the way you act in these different areas of your life, which your astrology chart can tell you like very clearly, and then you can choose to do or not do stuff about it. Um, and you'll still fall into the same traps because it, it does <laughs> describe things that you know, you'll tend to get into. And when you see the transits coming up or, you know, using other timing techniques, things pile up, you know, in one area and you go, Ooh, that's going to be real tough or whatever. Um, but you know that if you know that going in, then you can make potentially different choices. You can also choose to just let it go. That is also valid. Um, yeah. Sometimes like we don't always have to intervene and, you know, to the fate part of it, sometimes again, it's like that, the classic matrix situation, right? Like if you had not done anything or known anything, would you still be in the same situation or, you know, knowing it made you end up here, you know, right. So it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think there's a good deal of medicine to, to the idea that of just things being okay. Like this is just, a time where this happens. So like maybe this sucks right now, but it I feel like astrology a lot of the time helps me to realize that like yeah, it just sucks now though. Like it's not always going to be that way and it could be on a on a, a big arc, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it helps me to see the te the the temporary nature of some of these problems or in the impermanence, 100%. right? The great the, yeah, the great thing about it is it's like no transit lasts forever. <laughs> you know, it, everything will change. Um, this, is, this is a good time to talk about it because we're actually headed to one of the like, you know, most not fun transits of 2022. Oh yeah, let's is, talk about um, it. Yeah, it's on August 1st. It's the uh, Mars-Uranus North Node conjunction in Taurus. It's at 18 Taurus. Um, yeah, and it goes exact on um, August 1st. 
but it has been ramping up because, you know, of course, Uranus and the North Node move pretty slow. So they've been conjoined on 18 Taurus for a while now. Um, and Mars is kind of full speed ahead, charging towards them. So I have definitely noticed my ascendant is at 22 Taurus. So, yeah, I have definitely noticed. Um, my moon my, is at like 16. Uh-huh. My in the 12th house. Oh, has that been unfun for you? So Taurus has like gone back and forth over my moon like three times in the past two years. Uranus or, sorry, moon? Taurus. Uranus has gone. Yeah. Did I say yeah. Taurus? Yeah, Uranus has been dancing on my moon yes. in Taurus. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I've changed habitation situations quite a bit. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And have you just been feeling, like, very unmoored? Like, just unstable like crazy? Yeah, but it's actually, like, kind of nice because I'm in a good place to deal with that. Like, yeah. whereas before, who knows what that might have been? Like, right. you know, like, I'm, like, I got sober, so. Yeah. As as crazy as it might be, like it, it really almost can't be as crazy as it was. Right. Like if you had gone of my yeah, own like, making. If you had gone through that before you did get sober, like this I just conjecturing, but that it could have gone very badly. Like explosions. Badly. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. so enough about me continuing. Uh, you were talking about yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. So just like so that's one of the like hairiest um transits of, of the year. Right. Um, and so I've had a lot of people reaching out, kind of <laughs> freaking out and being like, ah, what do I do? Like, ah, um, and one of the best things I think it's in this one in particular, like my keyword for it is explosive liberation. Like, you know, Mars brings the explosions and Uranus just wants the liberation. And so, um, there can be a lot of power in that for, for good and for, or for just for progress and movement and growth. Um, and I think, writing it out is just kind of one of the I don't that's one of those ones when you get into the outer planets and talking about remediation and stuff like there's very clear ways to sort of rem remediate you know Mars and or just where I like working with like you know as opposed to remediate like working with the energy so if you've got a big Mars thing going on you know we know what Mars likes right I mean he likes violence so find a constructive way to do violence you know he likes to burn shit right. well maybe like literally well, go burn shit you don't burn a building down, but you could like literally just go and burn things probably. Yeah. Like in it. a controlled manner, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, go, right. go find a friend who has land in the country and like set a couch on fire. Sure. While shooting it <laughs> with a gun. <laughs> like that's great Mars remediation. Or, I like, like this, even yeah. just like a martial art or a workout plan, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. A lot of people are... do. So for me, I'm a lazy Taurus rising. So I, I always recommend people. I'm like, you can totally do some like workout to like get around the Mars. Well, in my head, I'm like, ugh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I gotta sit on my ass. So, um, I mean, also knowing where you're coming from, right? So, like, yeah. But and with Uranus, when you get into the outer planets, the um, I don't know how you work with them so much because those are, those are forces. I think we're still really um new to learning about from an like well from a both an astronomical and astrological perspective um you know the ancient astrologers well they might have known they were there you know i've always wondered about this like mm. especially uranus because you can technically see it with your with the naked eye from like very rare but you can technically see it from earth if you're in like an incredibly dark landscape and you know exactly where to look you can see it um also, do we not think that some of the ancients, well, they, you know, had telescope type things, right? So 
Um, anyway, so this is just yeah. me rambling about like, no, I totally, thinking. I'm totally yeah. into that kind of thing. I think that, that they had all kinds of technology that were not, uh, that the mainstream isn't willing to admit. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is also something like when we look at the ancient astrology texts that are from like the Hellenistic period, right? Like they, there is no mention of the outer planet there. So we assume they didn't know about them or they didn't write about them or whatever, right? Sure. But, but like what? We don't have any writings from Atlantis. From before. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like who knows what if you're you even know. into that, which I am. Nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Atlantean astrologers were probably yeah. all up on that. The yeah. Lemurians. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Right on. Yeah. So where was I going with that? Anyway, this isn't very helpful. I know to people who are like worried about this transit or, or any major outer planet transits, but I do, I do think there is not a lot we can do with those necessarily. Um, the inner, like the inner planets. And by that, I mean, anything from Saturn inwards, um, there is a lot because it's documented for thousands of years of things you can do to work with those specific energies. And also humans have had a relationship with those um, spirits for also thousands of years so even i think even just doing like daily prayers to them um can help right like you're at least tuning into that so you can kind of get a a sense for what it might feel like and then hopefully also if you're making some nice offerings and saying some nice words they'll maybe look a little bit more kindly upon you too right so where does the and it's the north node too in that yeah yeah north node is, is so right. what energy does that bring to the whole yeah. Deal, right? Boy, have I gotten a lesson in the what the nodal axis means this year. So um, if you, for a while, I kind of subscribed to the um, the more modern psychological approach to the nodes. And so it's like the, the North node was your like, um, your, your, I'm going to get this wrong because I don't think of it this way anymore. <laughs> your your <laughs> North node was like your, your dharma like what you should be going towards in this life and your south node is your karma from past lives and so it's a lot of people use that sort of thing and it and it works well for them um i tend to think of it as like the, the north they're both they're destabilizing points for starters um so just general instability and so when you pair up uranus with it which is also like very yeah. unstable you get like more unstableness um but the ancient astrologers thought of the north node as more of like an increasing effect um and then the south node is like a decreasing effect and the the Indian astrologers, like in Jyotis or um, Vedic astrology, the North Node is Rahu, the head of the dragon, and the South Node is Ketu, the tail of the dragon. So the North Node, so that's that's where Uranus and Mars are hanging out right now. The head of the dragon consumes, it consumes, right? That's all it does. It's headless. All it, all it does is intake and intake and intake. So it's the spot of like increase and in intake, which you don't, it's not always a good thing, right? Like It just amplifies? Taking, Exactly. Like it gives this increasing effect on whatever's near it. So when Mars and Uranus are near it, it's just amplifying Uranus and Mars, right? And then the south node decreases. So the south node is actually considered better for the malefics. Like if Mars was on the south node, it would actually be better I got you. Um, than on the north because north node like increases Mars, south node like actually decreases it. So it makes him a little more tame, I guess, right? So yeah. So it's like a loud like a megaphone basically on top of those two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And those for, for any listeners that don't know, cause I, I, my grasp is sure tenuous. Yeah. So the, the nodal axis. So, um, okay. So just basic astronomy, right. <laughs> um, people can't see me like waving my hands around. So just picture <laughs> me waving my hands around. Cause I do that a lot. Um, basically the sun looks like it moves around the earth, right? Like, right. yes, we live in a heliocentric world, 
but we don't experience it that way. It looks like the sun moves around us. So the sun moves around the earth and there's a band that we can draw around the earth of the sun's like um, path, right? And that's called the ecliptic. And the moon also goes around the earth and it also has a band. So the point at which the sun and the moon's paths cross on either side of the planet are the nodes. They're always exactly gotcha. opposite each other. So yeah, so there, and that's where eclipses occur, right? Because we know that when the sun and the moon's paths cross, then then you get a solar or a lunar eclipse depending on the phase of the moon. So yeah, so that's, this is a nuts. Uh, that, start over. So in a nutshell, that is, what the nodes are they're they're a point they're not a you know a body or a planet or anything but they're they're a critical point um and they they are very important in your chart and then also in the trance obviously right because they signal where the eclipses are going to be that year um and so this year of course the eclipses are across taurus and scorpio and so it's just amplifying that area again and highlighting it and and shaking up everything going on with the with that axis so wherever that falls in your chart everything's kind of getting all all shaken right up very cool mm -hmm. so we definitely got on like some astrology tangents i'm trying to think i feel like there was something else i wanted to share about that take a second if I... well do you have any it'll come back uh i wanted to know about magical chickpeas oh <laughs> yeah yeah i made magical chickpeas recently they were great um, yeah, so in the Picatrix, there is a little recipe for magical chickpeas. Um, and it's this is the kind of magic that I love doing. So I've, I've always been drawn to, like I mentioned earlier, like to herbalism and working with plant spirits and stuff. And I've actually been making some herbal tinctures this year, which I'm, I'm vibing with very much. I really like them. Um, and so, yeah, so I've been playing with those. I'm going to try to find the recipe here so I can read it to you because it's, it's very short and simple, but yeah. So it was actually a fellow room super who I didn't ask if I could say their name, so I won't, but um, they mentioned this, this recipe in the Picatrix for magical chickpeas. And again, I love kitchen witch type stuff. So I was like, I am going to make those. Um, so basically you take chickpeas, um, like just a bowl of dry chickpeas and you stick them out under the light of the waxing moon and you leave them in the light for, just a night and then you wake up before dawn and you anoint them with oil and then you soak them in water for a couple hours and then you cook them and then you eat them and they are supposed to dispel melancholy so they're like happy magical chickpeas that sounds fantastic right right i was like why wouldn't I try that? That sounds great. I want happy chickpeas. So this is kind of blowing my mind a little bit because I'm a cook <laughs> I'm a cook by trade. Oh cool. And I never even put, thought put your about, chickpeas under the moon. <laughs> well, yeah, I never really thought about treating the ingredients like materia. And mm -hmm. I don't know why, but I'm glad that you're telling me this right now because I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. That's like opening up a new dimension. Yeah. Okay. Here, I found the exact recipe. Um, so it says, yeah, so blah, there's the recipe from all those. Okay. Sorry. Let me start over. From all those to whom you give these to eat, all sorrow, ill will, evil thoughts, and every kind of melancholy will depart and their hearts will rejoice in the highest virtue and they will become alert and joyful in all things. Sounds great. And you know what? I made yeah. them. I made, I made a soup with them 
and I ate it and I felt happy. Now I have to say I wasn't like super sad or melancholic before. So my baseline level of sadness right. was, you know, was pretty low. So I have actually, the moon is, is what actually it was new today. So um, I'm going to make another batch of these because I have some people in my life who could stand to have some happy magical chickpeas <laughs> right now. So yes. yeah, but no, you can, you can absolutely treat food as materia. And I think that's like a great, that's what we probably should do that every day. I mean, I think yeah. saying, saying prayers of gratitude, like grace or right. how you so want to do it before you eat is, is a good practice, but. Totally. And I think that's like a, hopefully that's a way in for some people, right? Like, okay. When you pray over your food, that's exactly what you're doing, mm-hmm. but there's more possibilities. So what other kind of, tell me more about, um, about kitchen witchery. What other kind of things do you like to do with that? Or sure. I are mean, there any other type of recipes or things that pop in your mind? Yeah, the the one that I know um, a bunch of people have tried in Rune Soup are Hildegard's um, Hildegard's biscuits or cookies, right? I want to try these. Yeah, me too. And I know a few people who have. They are like, I think they're probably mildly psychoactive. I mean, I looked at the ingredients list and it's with like the a bunch of, of nutmeg, nutmeg and cinnamon. Yeah, which <laughs> do have psychoactive properties. So yeah. I was like, oh yeah, like that's a shit ton of nutmeg. You probably would like. I think you could. You should probably only eat one maybe two because i feel like you, you might actually you could you could probably overdo it and probably end up feeling kind of sick after so yeah i've heard that the nutmeg thing is really like it can be kind of unpleasant but i wondered if maybe some of the other ingredients might mitigate you know what i mean and if it's in the form mm-hmm. of a cookie right because mm-hmm. i think one of the things that people get wrong with any sort of psychoactive substance is like isolating it out Right. So like this is why you have things like crack. <laughs> like for real <laughs> yeah. though. Cause well, like, you know, the 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 way the way that indigenous people did it was they chew would do chew the leaves. Yeah. And that's like yeah. being in that's a totally different type of in relation with the plant as opposed to like weapon like extracting, weaponizing, actually colonizing that plant and yeah. uh, extracting a resource from it like you know mm-hmm. yeah and treating it as i mean this goes into the whole landscape of medicine and and whatnot but i mean this is why um herbalism is so valuable and i'm not an herbalist by any means like i i use it mainly for um magical purposes but of course i eat food so i, I would say we're all kind of herbalists if, we're, if you're eating veggies anyway i suppose um, but yeah, like it's that idea of, oh, there has to be just one molecule in this substance, which is doing the thing that we want it to do. And that's why herbal studies time and again, they're just so stupid. They, they like extract whatever they think is the active molecule. And then they like create a synthetic version or they just, you know, create a concentrated version of that and inject it into lab rats. And then they're like, it gave them cancer. And I'm like, really? No shit. Right. Like <laughs> that's not how you're supposed to take that medicine that's not how that herb is meant to be you know ingested um so yeah it, it's it's just a broken way of looking at the world right and, right right it's that's exactly what it is yeah like if you and i said i think i said this in the episode with db like if if i'm a hammer everything looks like a nail mm-hmm. and if i'm on a war footing with with the microscopic world like you know germs and mm-hmm. like everything's germ out warfare. to get you yeah, yeah right germ warfare right 
immune system. Mm-hmm. If, if I see everything like that, then I just want to pew pew at it instead mm-hmm. of kind of coming to a more nuanced view of what's happening or, or a more nuanced view of disease in general. Mm-hmm. We're just like making weapons to blast at stuff. Yep. And that's what's going to happen if I look at it in a war yeah. mindset. And how has that worked out for humanity? <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> yeah, we're doing great. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're awesome. Yeah, so good. <laughs> but we are. I, I do actually do. I'm trying to have the optimism. Like, we really are. Like, there is so much amazing stuff going on. It's really easy to just be like, everything's fucked. And it is. But, you know. Yeah, that's and, and just, falling yeah. into the PSYOP, too. Exactly. Like just despair and giving up. Oh, hundred percent. You're super easy to control if you give up and just, you know, go about your life as like a little shadow of yourself. Um, sure. But yeah, no. So, I mean, just kitchen witchery I, and I don't do anything super hardcore. Um, but I mean, when I'm making food, I'll, um, especially, so I love making soups and that's very witchy, right? Like standing over this big bubbling cauldron of, whatever it might be. And if you've, you know, made your chickpeas magical before you put them in. Um, Side note, I'm going to experiment with this more with other, I think, so I think chickpeas are probably lunar, or at least that was certainly what whoever did that recipe clearly. Yeah, they they look like by the moon. Yeah, little moons. They do, right? So it's very easy to tell like which, some some foods anyway, which foods would be governed by like which planetary deity. Um, And there's lots of lists of correspondences and tables um, that you can find for this sort of thing. But I think, you know, putting lunar foods, and it makes sense that you put it under a waxing moon, obviously, right? Because you want to pull those, those, you know, abundance and growth vibes. But similarly, well, I was thinking with the magical chickpeas, it's like, geez, so if the waxing moon makes the chickpeas happy and dispels melancholy... If I put them under the waning moon, could I make like depression chickpeas? <laughs> I'm like, I'm not gonna try it. I'm like kind of tempted. I'm not gonna lie, yeah, but I'm not gonna try like some, it because that's some interesting malefica right there, right? Like, I don't want to like make myself or other people depressed by making like sad soup. Um, so I'm not gonna this do that. But I feel like the taste of my sad soup. <laughs> yes, <laughs> all joy shall depart from you. Yeah, no, that's. I mean, that's. I'm not going to lie. There's a part of me that wants to try it, but I, you know, I'll save that for someone if they really, yeah. Well, that's, you that's could my try version it. of Malefica. You yeah. could try it as a means of testing the happy chickpeas, right? So like mm-hmm. if you needed to get to a state of sadness, you could, oh, this is a terrible idea, but just, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, now, now you're just talking like big pharma here. I'm not, I'm not doing any of this, Um, but yeah, I think you could totally probably do some little ritual blessings or putting like the moon is the easiest, one of the easiest to work with. We're going to talk about like planetary work because it's right there. You can see it. So you can very like, you you know, when the moon is full and you know, it's just so commanding, you can put stuff out in its light and we have a long history of doing this obviously so i think you could go a long way with that but also yeah, just if you can charge your crystals there why can't you charge your chickpeas that's totally that right makes good sense yeah 100 um and i mean also just saying prayers or whispering spells or whatever um over your things okay. you're cooking and adding because ingredients this is interesting i have this idea that and i think it's probably not uncommon um among magical circles because intention is so important mm-hmm. to magic right and i really sometimes wonder like okay so you went out to eat at a restaurant and like the food just didn't sit right with you i'm so well, glad you said i was literally that, yeah yeah okay, i was gonna say I'm, this 
I, this has happened to us all the time. Like we'll eat stuff and then you're like, oh, I think the chefs are really like in, not in a good place because. Yeah. Like that transfers me, into yeah. it. So the, if, because I remember, you know, being a cook, there have been times where I'm just like breathing nothing but malice and hatred into those things that I'm creating and they might look beautiful, yep. but yep. my intentions when I was making them was just like misery. You know what I mean? And so I just wonder how often that transfers, you know? Oh, it does. It does. I would say it it, it transfers part of me in every time. Um, I would say like much more than some sort of a foodborne pathogen, to be honest. Oh, easily. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's it's something that people just don't even think about. But yeah, if, if with varying levels of sensitivity, I think too, right? Um, but yeah, how mm. many tummy aches do you have? <laughs> because not because the food was a little off or whatever, but because the person who made it was in a really bad place and was thinking a lot of really nasty thoughts while they were making your hamburger or whatever. Right. And then like put seed oils on top of that. And it's well, yeah, like, sure. Right. There's also the, the like, quality of the ingredients getting ever worse. Right. So yeah. on top of, on top of all the shit ingredients, you've got like shit vibes going into them. Shit, so of course, the shit ingredients and shit vibes. Yeah. So of course your big Mac is going to sit like this. a rock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. Um, yeah. So, okay. So uh, thinking of that in an optimistic light, like imagine if, and I think this goes for medicine too, because food is medicine. Mm -hmm. If people were putting good vibes into the food that they made and yeah. good intentions and, and you know, that often happens too. I'm not going to say that definitely not going to say that all cooks feel that way. I think some, some people are really passionate about it. Yep. Um, but you know there are obviously things that could probably be done to make it to engender this sort of environment, right? Mm -hmm. But I just wonder, you know, how much again for the reason of looking at it the way that we do look at it has gotten us here. Like, how can we look at it differently? Like, how can food mm -hmm. be? How can we treat food like medicine? Well, I mean, animism helps. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think if you have an animistic worldview, then immediately your relationship to food is going to change um, for the better, I would argue. Especially and something like soup, okay? Because like you said, it is like a brew, but it's mm -hmm. also like a time-honored remedy that you can't, for one thing, you can't really, I mean, I'm sure some of them you can, but like you can't really rush a soup. Mm -mm. You really have to kind of take your time with it and build it. Oh yeah. More if so you're than doing it right. I think. Yeah. I mean, you can take some ramen and throw it in a pot of water and put in the flavor packet and you can have soup in two minutes, but it's shitty. Like, right. And not... that's like, maybe that's half of the reason why it's not good for you. Like, yeah. not just because of, you know, whatever the hell that shit's made out of. And, and, and who knows? I mean, it's just, an, I think it's a good question to ask. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I've been in, interested in, you know, doing slow food, you know, that was kind of one of the, well, I guess not the OG food movements, but like early food movements of the, you know, slow food, like basically just the opposite of fast food and whatever that form might be. And so just taking your time and getting to know and, you know, cooking and making it joyful. I think there's been so much um, focus on um, how cooking is this burden and, and you have to make it as fast and efficient as possible. Yes. Because, and yeah, you know what, when you are working a nine to five and then you have to go pick up your kids and you gotta come home and everyone's hungry and cranky. Um, you want to have dinner done like quickly. Um, but that's a product of, of 
how we live and our a product of how we've modeled our society right yeah, yeah. just it, like it's, yeah. the reason why the people that work the cooking jobs are so miserable it's like well yeah. they get paid shit yeah they're exploited yeah right so exactly they're exploited workers so so like <laughs> after a long day of exploitation yeah yeah <laughs> it's yeah, gonna yeah, look yeah. different 100 percent. that's cool yeah because slow is always gonna be better so take like some ribs for example mm-hmm. and try to cook them at 400 degrees for 30 minutes and then take some ribs and cook them at like 175 200 all fucking day or even mm-hmm. two days and tell me which one's better mm-hmm. right like one of them is not even edible also you want to talk about Mars remediation, slow cooked ribs, anything cooked over fire, also Ooh. meat in general, slow cooked meat over fire. Hell yeah. There's your Mars remediation. And that's it's delicious. good. So that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> okay. This is my um, Mars Uranus North Node meal. That's what I'm going to do. That's my nice. remediation for that, right? Because, um, if Uranus is, you got to add something weird and surprising at the end for Uranus, though. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so some kind of interesting glaze, maybe. Mm, yeah, like something a little like sweet and sour. I don't know. You can play I'll with it. To, yeah, I'll have to check. A it surprising out. flavor. This is a good tip, first. though. This is good yeah. stuff. <laughs> I like. I think that you've really opened a door for me in terms of food as astrological remediation. You know what? I have gone on this journey with you because I hadn't really thought about it that way before, but I am so going to do this so I'm much here for because this. high Taurus rising, most of, well, not most, but a lot of planets in right. cancer. Like if I can make food, the solution, <laughs> I'm there. Well, like, like Taurus moon. So same <laughs> yeah. deal, right? Like Hell yeah. <laughs> it is the gateway to my inner soul. Mm-hmm. Nice. Cool. Let's do it. We're going to work yeah. on it. We can compare notes later. Oh yeah. I'll definitely. I want to know how notes. those ribs go. That the ribs sound amazing. Yeah. I haven't made I mean, ribs in a while too. I don't I don't eat a lot of pork, but when I do, I do it right. Yeah. I think you could do beef ribs too. Beef ribs are good. What's more Marzi? I mean, because beef ribs are more red, I feel like. Yeah. I think meat on especially on the bone. Just meat on general, the bone. Yeah. There's that's, something that's about Mars. Yeah. On the bone that's very Mars. Oh, yeah. Eating it with your hands and getting yeah. all dirty. Like, no, that's yeah, Mars will appreciate that for sure. Nice. Cool. Should we like totally change the subject and talk about something completely different? Or do you, sure. do you have a train of thought you want to follow? No, we can change the subject. Okay. Um, did you ever remember that thing you wanted to talk about? Um, no, but I think I did want to share some like spooky stories. Yeah. Spooky know? stories are good. That's what I was actually going to ask because I had yeah. accidentally skipped it. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, yes. Spooky stories. So I was thinking about this, this story recently, actually. Um, and then I remember like, I have like, I feel like I just forget. I don't know. So when you have like strong spirit experiences, they, sh- they impress themselves upon you. And there, this, this one I'm about to tell, like, I, I will never forget that. That's the one that pops to mind as like my most vivid, vivid and visceral, like spirit contact type of, of thing. Um, but then there's so many others, like, as I'm talking to my husband and I'm like, Oh yeah, that thing. And you, you just, it's like, I forgot. And like, how did I forget? Well, I think it helps like 
being in a more magical mindset from a young age and wanting magic, because I remember when I was a kid, I wanted magic to be so real. Like I just was desperate for it to be real. Um, and at the time it was just like, you know, fantasy novels. And then, you know, like what on my journey to be like, oh, it is actually real. doesn't usually look like waving magic wands, sadly, although kind of sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's it's there. It's just- I'm, I'm right there with you. That's that's my experience yeah. too. Yeah. Um, so, so I think because of having that, that magical mindset now, when like, you know, I have spirit contacts, I mean, it kind of happens all the time if you're paying attention to it. Yeah. So you don't even really notice, like it's, it's just kind of, you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That was probably. Whatever, it becomes right? a working part of the mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, it always maybe was, but to be, to have awareness for something changes the game. Yeah, like I was thinking in the the office I used to work in was, um, it was a newer building, quite new actually, but it was built on and in the shape of this old hotel downtown that was like a hundred year old hotel, which is really old for my city because it's like, it's a Canadian city. So anything that's a hundred is like ancient because the city was founded in 1905. So four, I guess, whatever, like it was turn of the century, right? The 1900s. Right. So, um, so yeah, so we don't have a lot, we're not like Europe where it's like, Oh, a hundred is like nothing anyway. So it was built on the site of this old hotel, which by the end of its life was just a derelict flop house with a bunch of, you know, drug addicts hanging out in it all the time. So it was pretty, pretty rough. Uh, And I ended up, I worked across the street when it was still that. And then I ended up working in the building, a different job. Um, years later after it it had been torn down and then rebuilt and um, it was office office space and long story short it was haunted like there were there were some spirits who were still hanging around they weren't malevolent as far as I could tell but if you stayed there um, not even actually sometimes it was this happened when people were around which was really funny Um, but of course you know when wait, if you stayed late, you know, you're more likely to have it. Like the elevator would open all the time for no reason. Um, I would hear people typing on my um, deskmates, like uh, keyboard all the time. Like just like a, you know, where I don't know if you heard that, but it's, it's just distinct. like just tap, 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 tap. Yeah. Like, and I was like, Carolyn, yeah. are, you, are you there? And then I'm like, no, she's left like an hour and a half ago. Yeah. So, and it was just something that happened. Um, and then my sister started working there and I warned her about it. And she's like, that's so scary. And she was like, she's like much farther, I guess, down on the path of like spirits are everywhere and part of our world. So I was just like, yeah, oh yeah, you'll just, he'll just, they just type fine. It's fine. Whatever. Like you'll hear noises and stuff like whatever. Um, but yeah, it, you know, when you talk to someone who's not like in that worldview, it's very, it's like, like, what was that noise? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. A cat, a spirit, take a pick. Who cares? Like, yeah, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column yeah, B. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, spooky story. So I'm, I go in tangents. Um, so that, I mean, I guess that was one. That's like a mild one, like the ghost of the person who typed beside me. <laughs> I'm actually, I was actually surprised that it was not that malevolent in that building because there was all sorts of horrible stories of like murders and shit that went down in that hotel. But think of but all hey, the good times that happened in there. Right. You know, like, <laughs> Back in the Boomtown days, yeah, actually, there was probably lots of drinking and partying. I think there's a lot, like a lot of the times, there is a mix. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I mean, you know, sure, like it's probably easier to remember the bad impressions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but anyway, go ahead. Oh yeah, no. So then, I mean, so my most vivid like experience um, was in writing on stone, which is in southern Alberta. Um, it's right on the border with Montana, so um, 
yeah, so it's really far south and it's in like, so it's Badlands area. And, and it's called Riding so on Stone is the name of the called, town? Yeah, the, no, the, na- it, the it's the park. So there's a provincial park there called Riding on Stone. Um, cool. Athanapi, and I said that horribly, but that's like the indigenous name for it. Um, and so it's called that because there's all these ancient pictographs um, on the stones there. So it's awesome. this amazing desert landscape of the the hoodoos um all these like like stone canyony type things um it's very cool like if you haven't seen it look up some pictures of like alberta has a few of these pockets of these these badlands areas are they're amazing uh and super haunted they're yeah so they've been a meeting place for um indigenous people for like ever right um for good reasons i mean once you go there you're like oh i get it and so um <laughs> there's actually two stories but i'll tell the, the big one first but yeah so it was um we had done a tour that day of some of the pictographs right um and gone into like the back part of the park and there was an indigenous elder who led us through that so it was, it was awesome it was such a good good tour and um and then that night so it's hot right because it's it's in a desert so it's it was smoking hot in the day so we were sleeping in a tent and so we left our tent open like there was the screen but we left the screen um so we could see out right so um i I fell asleep or did i i was you know kind of just looking up at the night sky above me um as i'm lying here in the tent and i i didn't think i fell asleep um and then i heard uh crunching like someone walking up to the tent like grabs across the gravel and then i saw like a figure just like looking in at me as i was lying here uh in this tent and I couldn't see any details. Like it was just a black humanoid like figure that kind of looked into me. And then I, I kind of started and then um, blinked and it was gone. And the moon was there just like had mm. risen, I guess, and was at me. So I have thought about this time and again, and it, it maybe sounds like nothing, but I just had the strongest sense of, oh, that was not human. Um, like mm. at all. No way. Looked humanoid. Wasn't. Um, it was, I think as near as I can tell, I think it was just one of the spirits of that place coming to check me out and, yeah. you know, see, I didn't get any bad vibes. Didn't really get much of anything. It was more of just a like, Oh, what do you do? What, who are you? You know, kind of, okay. Yeah. And I think cause we had gone into the back part of the park that day, maybe, you know, they followed me or they were just whatever, you know, we had kind of poked around, um, a little more than the, than most people. So yeah, maybe they're just coming to check us out. But yeah, it was just that, you know, that spooky feeling, right? Like that. Yeah. Oh, that was not a he- and and, and well, the other- intuition is a yeah. big part of the experience, I feel like. Well, like okay, yeah, yeah, like I saw something, but then I also knew what it was. Mm-hmm. And those are inextricably connected. Yeah, it was an immediate and innate sense of like this is not a human. There's a psychic impression. Yeah. Yes big time um and it was yeah it was just so strong and like i i know people would just be like oh you just fell asleep and i'm like i don't think i was sleeping and if i was sleeping it was in one of those like lucid dreams where i was like still my eyes were open because i remember clearly seeing like the night sky and uh, the screen and stuff right and, and even also, that isn't like a, a good way to brush it off for me no. because it's like yeah you're in that liminal place like yep yeah you're in the place in between like of course it's easier to see those things mm-hmm. like oh you, yeah. were just, you were just half asleep like yeah yeah no or fucking like, shit i was half asleep that's when yeah. i that's <laughs> that's when you see things easily right. yeah um well and then the other thing too i guess the other explanation would be like oh someone just like came into your campsite and was looking in and i'm like dude that is so much creepier than like a spirit yeah. looking at me like some guy just came into my campsite and was like hey 
what's in here? Like, bleh, I don't want a human looking at me. That's creepy. Like, well, the materialist explanation is either like it, it's either belittling to you or it's like incredibly dark. I feel like, right. So it's yeah. like either you just saw an owl or you're fucking crazy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, oh, thanks. Those are my options. Like, yeah, there's cool. a third way. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was a good one. And like a couple days before, and this, I just remember this before my husband reminded me I had, we were in a, uh, nearby so this was not in writing on stone but it was um i guess nearby it was like a couple hours away but this is alberta you drive for like three hours to get anywhere um so it was uh, a place in near medicine hat called um red rock cooley and it's just that it's like a little gully that has a bunch of these giant red boulders um it's pretty cool so we stopped there and we're checking it out it's the middle of the day and um I did a, I decided to do a little journey. Um, and so my husband did some drumming for me to kind of get into the, the mindset. And um, so I was sitting on a rock and I was, I was going on a little journey and I was just asking to kind of meet like a spirit guide. Uh, and then I kind of opened my eyes and I, I turned my hand over and there was a black wasp sitting on my palm mm. and I freaked out because I was like, ah, a wasp. Right. You know? And so I started like, I like, shook it off and then I looked and it was still on my hand and, I was like, ah! and so I'm like started to kind of like panic and I started like running and this wasp was like following me like all like it stayed with me for like like I ran like all the way up the path because I like I looked like a cartoon I'm sure um and then you know afterwards we were like you know doing the like what was that and he's like um I think that was your guide babe like I think your guide showed up and you kind of freaked out and I was like <laughs> Oh, yeah, so where probably. did you where did you end up when it chased you? Uh, I went up to the car, and then okay. if, if once I got to like the parking lot, it 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 was gone, like it took off. Yeah. Um, so I mean, there's a there's a great example of, um, I guess, being rude to your spirit guides that show up to you that you've you've asked to see, and then they show <laughs> up, and then you're like, oh my god, because I don't yeah. know, not all spirit guides are cute animals, right? Like sometimes totally. they're scary looking wasps. Cause I've never seen a wasp like that either. Like it was black yeah. and it had like white stripes on it and it looked like it could fuck me up. So I was like, Whoa. wasps usually do. And I feel like yeah. a lot of the time though, it's actually like, there are more, I feel like there are more harmless ones than, but they, they always look mean. They do. Like that's what it looks I like. I get a bugs yeah. a lot. So I oh, get yeah? Like, yeah. So like a lot of bugs, a lot of spiders. Mm-hmm. like spider spirit and i are tight mm-hmm. um and you know people don't like spiders a lot of the time i love them like they're so mm-hmm. cool to me mm-hmm. and you know you just crawl on me you're good and then um in the in the fairy queen journey the for if anyone's listening that doesn't know what i'm talking about this is available with a membership to rune soup so mm-hmm. if you'd like to check that out Go to runesoup.com. It's uh, well worth the ten dollars a month. Um, but in that journey, the 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 being that ferried me to the court of the fairy queen was a wasp. Mm. Cool. So I dig it. I like, but it's also funny that like it showed up and then you ran away. Like, <laughs> yeah, I did. I did like a little bitch. Like, ah, this is scary. <laughs> but hey. Look, we can't all be like magical sorceresses. Sometimes we are silly humans who freak out because they see a bug. Right. Who are totally, yeah. You can always be like totally stoic when like a, right. a venomous creature is crawling on you. Yeah. And it was totally. But if you can, there's, 
he didn't sting me. He could have probably. Sting you. Yeah, no, yeah. it followed me for so long. And I'm like, I feel like it could have stung me if I wanted. It was on my hand. So yeah. And normally like you see here, like wasps tend to sting first and ask questions later. Right? Yeah. So, Cause they can sting multiple times. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And it was a wasp, not a bee. I know what bees look like compared to wasps. Right. <laughs> I kept bees for several years. So like I, <laughs> for oh, the people you, who oh, were like, oh. yeah, we did. We had bees nice. for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, you want to talk about learning how to engage with 60,000 organisms that basically are one organism. Keep some bees. They're, uh, it's pretty insane. Yeah, I think they were really interesting because um, bees, that's like ancestor connection for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you know because they're collective and like Mm -hmm. often the well ancestors will kind of come through as a collective oh and i mean if you keep bees you have an endless supply of fresh honey and ancestors big fan so yeah yeah right good stuff and of course they're connected and and a lot of um cosmologies too and mythologies right yep yep definitely any more spooky stories you want to share? Spooky stories. Um, oh, the lava tubes in Hawaii. That, that's a good one. Um, that So, yeah, we were in Hawaii in 2018. And, um, yeah, so this was on the big island. And there is a lava tube over near Hilo, for anyone who knows Hawaii. Um, and the cool thing about that, so lava tubes are, are just that. Like, they're formed from the lava flow going through the earth and they leave behind like a hollow tube and most of the ones on the island are um in this more southern part where the closer to where the like more active volcanic um volcanoes are right like all of the lava fields and stuff um and they're dry like they're just rock right and they do tours through them and stuff but there's this one up near Hilo and Hilo is like the jungle side of the island so it looks it's all lush and, and green and um there is a tube that's just off of you know, the main road to Hilo. And we were, so it was like our first day in Hawaii. We had just landed and we were, or no, sorry. It was, we were traveling to our Airbnb on that side. So we had spent a couple of days on the, in Kona and then we were going to Hilo. And so I was just flipping through the guidebook, right? And I was like, hey, there's a lava tube over there. Let's stop and go check it out. Sounds cool. And it's, it's so cool, right? It's just, it's a cave, right? It's this cave entrance in the jungle and you go in. And so the cool thing about that too, because it's on the jungle side, there's like, roots and stuff growing down from the ceiling and so it's like your your classic mouth to the underworld literally right yeah so I love we, that. yeah so and we like we weren't even thinking about this consciously at the time we were just like cool let's go check it out and so we uh went in there and there were some there were some people like families in the in the entrance and we were kind of chatting with them and we were totally not prepared we had like flip-flops and our phones for light right so um, but we were like whatever we're on vacation we can do this so we start walking and then the, the families kind of went back and so it was just us and then we're walking and, and it goes like a couple miles probably underground and so we were walking and walking we're like should we go to the end yeah, we could so we we kind of intended we we're like yeah let's see where this thing ends um and then you know a couple times we turned off our phone lights so that we could just experience that true and like man if you've never been in a cave and with no light whatsoever, like you, there is that it's like blackness, darkness that you, that has such texture and is like, like it's an entity, like being just consumed and in, in that is just, it's like nothing else. Right. Like 
the, the only the only time I've come close to that um, on the surface, I guess, would be in the forests in the West Coast um, that are so like deep and dark and dense at night that that you can actually not see your hand, like you know, a, a foot in front of your face. But but still, different when you're under the ground, literally in the earth. So we're walking through this thing, and then we we had been kind of chatting, and and then we kind of you know trailed off, and then we're walking in silence, and then I started having. I started seeing serpents and um, tentacles and just spooky, scary shit, like in my mind's eye and started having this feeling of like dread in my chest. And I was like, well, that's interesting. I didn't say anything at first because I thought I was just, you know, being irrational, you know, and whatever. You're just getting spooked because you're in the you're just in this tube underground where no one can hear you scream. And by the way, there's definitely no cell reception, of course. Um, but I was just like, okay, let's keep going. And then I, I totally started like looking over like behind me. Cause like, I just got this sense of like something behind me, seeing things out of the corner of my eye in the pitch black. Sure. And um, all of a sudden we just both stopped at the same time. And we were like, we should go back. And my husband was like, yeah, like right, and I hadn't said anything to him about like feeling weird or seeing things or anything, um, but we were both just like, "Stop, no, let's go back." So we, and then we started walking like very quickly out of there, uh, and then we compared notes after, and, and he was having the exact same thing. He was he was like seeing things in his mind, and it was like all the like horror for him. It was like all the spooky horror movie sort of imagery coming at him, um, like just like a like one after another, like that, 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 that. I'm like, um, and for me, it was just like lots of serp- like tentacly serpenty type stuff. So I figure it, there was like, there was, a, you know, a spirit lived there. Like it was like clearly a, a land spirit and we were in its home and I, you know, it was malevolent in the sense of it didn't want us there clearly. Sure. And it was sending things at us to be like, please leave. And so we did. Um, yeah. But that was, that was also, again, one of those experiences maybe sounds kind of like meh, unless you've, you know, had similar experiences and then you can understand what that sort of intensity was like. Cause it was extremely intense. Like when we got out of it, I was like sweating and like felt shaky. And I was just like, whoa, yeah. like, whoa, that was no good, but also kind of awesome. But, you know, yeah, totally awesome. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because, okay, you had that. Ex- so, you started seeing things a little bit and then you were like, okay, whatever. And kept going. And then there was a point where you knew you had a knowing mm-hmm. that, okay, no, it's time to turn it wasn't, around. it wasn't just something in my head. I was, there was a spirit right, here because didn't want me there. So I should leave because it didn't want me there. And it seemed rather more powerful than me. So yeah, you know, it, it was, was like, like I'm what are just, you doing here? Yeah. Yeah. And maybe it wasn't, maybe it was like, I, I like there's so much we just don't know and maybe it was just throwing like I guess glamours or illusions at me to make it seem like it was some spooky like serpent creature but also how how classic for underworld deities or, yeah. or spirits right like you know serpents because it's been yeah. flexing like look at yeah. me I'm a cool oh. snake oh 100% <laughs> and then we been. just like yeah. we aren't used to that so we're just right. like oh freaky and it's like oh I was just posing for you like yeah come back where are you going babe yeah. come back and be here forever <laughs> yeah never leave me oh yeah. shit. well that's not good either right so and, well, and it i did think also, there's sometimes yeah. that vibe with like because i think there are definitely some spirits that don't take into consideration the fact that you're embodied 
Mm-hmm. So they'll be like, yeah. wait, you can't stay down here under the water with me forever? Like, why not? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, no. Well, I mean, I could, but then um, yeah, I'm no, not going to be... do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really willing to do that at this time yet. Yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for coming on, Mel. I really yeah. enjoyed talking to you. Do you want to say uh, one more time? Like, do you have any social media that you want to give out or anything? <laughs> Uh, not really. Um, okay, cool. <laughs> I mean, I like you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I don't post on Twitter at all because it's gross. And I looked at it today for too long, and I was like, "Why did I look at Twitter?" Uh, There's and like then a I, weird spirit oh. with it. Like I can't even have it on my oh. phone. Like I use it. Oh for no, promo- I deleted I use it. it for promotion. Yeah, yeah. I don't even do that anymore. Um, I use. I do post on Instagram, so you can find me. It's Mel underscore Priestley. But you know what? Just go to my website if you want to get in touch or see where what I'm up to. Everything my website's up to date. Sign up for my newsletter. That's the best way to to stay in touch with what I'm what I'm doing. Instagram, I mostly just use to like post and ghost my latest blog yeah. articles, right? So it's I don't engage much on there at all. So, gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, very cool. Thank you again for coming on. I had a great time talking to you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on there. And there you have it. Some really thought-provoking stuff there. And another excuse to cook some ribs. Not that I need one. Do you experience weird shit? Have you had experiences that don't lie within the confines of consensus reality with its bogus and bland narrativizing? More importantly, do other people make you feel a little crazy when you talk about it? If you fist-pumped or even just said yes to any of these questions... Drop me a line at timjsailor at gmail.com. That's T-I-M-J-S-A-I-L-O-R at gmail.com. I'd love to have you on the show and hear your story. Remember, you are never alone. I believe you.